So let's talk about this baptism. There are two baptisms. You know, we had baptism of the water, which was John baptism, and the baptism still required. We're going to talk about that a little. And then, of course, we had the promised baptism of the Holy Spirit. So the word brothers and sisters baptized means to immerse, to completely overwhelm or engulf. Water baptism is different from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told his disciples in Acts 1.5, that's our verse, Acts 1.5, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. This baptism would immerse or overwhelm people with the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts 2, verse 38, we are told in Acts 2.38 by, by Peter, Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And write that notice. What a baptism and for the forgiveness of sin. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is a gift given so that we may live godly lives and accomplish the purpose that God has for our lives. And then over here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 1 through 5, it says, Brothers and sisters, I want you to know about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You see, God equips us and gives us what we need to live godly lives and to accomplish his purpose. Verse 2, you know that at one time you were unbelievers, as we were. You were somehow drawn away to worship statues of gods that couldn't even speak. So I want you to know that no one is speaking with the help of God. Spirit says, Jesus be cursed. Now, he's talking to the folks at that time so they understand that, you, you know, you got to have this baptism of the Holy Spirit. So if you have the Spirit of God, you cannot curse God. And that's what many people were doing. And without the help of the Holy Spirit, no one can say Jesus is Lord. Now, here we go. These gifts, starting in verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but they are all given to believers by the same Spirit. There are different ways to serve, but they all come from the same Lord. There are different ways the Spirit works, but the same God is working in all these ways in all the people. You see, for the Holy Spirit is given to each of us in a special way. That is, for the good of all, for the whole body of Christ. To some people, to some people, the Spirit gives a message of wisdom. To others, the same Spirit gives a message of knowledge. To others, the same Spirit gives faith. To others, that one Spirit gives the gift of healing. To others, He gives the power to do miracles. To others, He gives the ability to prophesy. And then to others, He gives the ability to tell spirits apart. Continuing, to others, he, he gives the ability to speak in different kinds of languages that they, had not, that they had not known before. And to still others, he gives the ability to explain what was said in those languages. All of these gifts, brothers and sisters, are produced by one and the same Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives gift to each person just as the Holy Spirit decides. So I want to address something I said last week. And that is this notion by some people who are Christians or in, in a denomination within Christianity, who, who, who would tell you that the Holy Spirit does not exist with us today, 
that it was only given out at the day of Pentecost so that the people in the first century could do the works of the gospel and that we have the gospels to help us along the way. Well, I want someone to please tell me who followed that belief to please tell me in scripture where it says that God took those, took those uh, gifts back and stopped giving those gifts to men. Because you see, over in the book of Joel, he says, In the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams. So if we're required to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, because what did Jesus say? Jesus just took it straight home. He said what? About baptism. That which is that which is spirit is spirit. And except you be baptized in the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So tell me how I'm going to be baptized with the spirit of God. And then God's going to take that spirit away from me. It, it just doesn't, it doesn't wash. It doesn't make any sense. That we'll be told the baptism of the Holy Spirit is coming. That God's going to pour this spirit out, spirit out. That we must receive the Holy Spirit. And dwell in the Holy Spirit. So that we can walk and live godly lives. Going over to verses 38 and 39. The two disciples went with Jesus to the place where he was staying. And spent the day with him. We're talking about verses 38 and 39. As the two disciples of John, that is, Andrew and Peter, followed Jesus, he asked, what are you looking for? They asked Jesus, that is, where are you staying? And he told them, come and see for yourselves. So, Andrew and Peter, they went and spent the day with Jesus. This is about 4 o'clock in the afternoon or the 10th hour. We're told nothing about the place where they went. This shows us that the place they went is not important. What is important is that Jesus had the opportunity to introduce himself, himself to them and his teaching. Also, these two men, Andrew and Peter, they addressed Jesus as rabbi, which means teacher. The results of these two individuals spending the day with Jesus was that they just got that personal opportunity to get to know who Jesus was, becoming some of Jesus' first disciples who believed in him. And then in verse 40 through 41, we're told that Andrew found his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah. John the Baptist, back in verse 20, had, asked, had been asked, are you the Christ? And John the Baptist said, no, I am not the Christ. But he was simply the one who had been told by God to come and to prepare the way for Christ. So when Andrew was introduced to Jesus Christ, Andrew concluded that Jesus was the Christ. Jesus held all of the three primary positions. He held the position of king over in 1 Samuel chapter 9 and 16 over in Leviticus chapter 4 and verse 3, and then as a prophet over in Psalms 105. The Israelite had the king, they had the priest, and they had the prophet. Jesus is the only one that came who could hold all three of those positions in himself. That is, he will be king and ruler of God's people. 
He's the rightful heir to David's throne. And he was chosen by God to be king of our lives in the New Testament. You know, when Andrew found Jesus, he had a zeal. And his zeal teaches us something that we too ought to tell everyone, all of our friends and relatives, about the blessings they can receive from Jesus. And we ought to be the same way in our zeal. We've got to share the gospel. And there were times in my life, even though I knew of Jesus, I didn't always share him. And there are moments when I think, Lord, if I could go back, but we can't go back and do a better job at sharing you because I professed you. Very little besides this is told to us about Andrew. But the significant here is that Andrew wanted to tell someone. And think about who he went to tell. He went to tell his brother Peter. And because he went to tell his brother Peter, look what happened. Peter became the greatest amongst the apostles. On the day of Pentecost, what did Peter do? After the Holy Spirit came, people thought they were all drunk. But Peter, beginning with the Old Testament, walked him through all of the scriptures to demonstrate and prove that Jesus was the Christ. And then he said, but you people, you hung him. You killed him on the cross. When the people heard this, they were so struck to the core of their beings that they said, what must we do to be saved? And, G and Paul told them what they must do. And the scripture tells us that about 3,000 people were saved. The point being, we never know what the individual whom we bring to Jesus might accomplish for the kingdom of God. All we have to do is be obedient. And that is when we feel the tugging of the Holy Spirit to share the gospel of Jesus, to encourage someone to just be obedient, and then God would do, do the rest. Verse 42. In verse 42, Jesus gave Simon the name Cephas, which means Peter, meaning a stone. Note that when Andrew took his brother Peter to Jesus, he did not teach Peter anything about how to be a disciple. All he did was bring Peter to Jesus, and Jesus did the rest. And our lives as Christians, as we become mature Christians and we know the word of God and God has perhaps given us the gifts of exhortation or teaching or sharing the gospel, then I want to encourage you to do that. Start a Bible study. Attend a Bible study. But in whatever manner you can, share the gospel because, as I said, we have no idea who it is that we would lead to Jesus and what those individuals might do. And then the other thing I want to address here about Peter and the name that Jesus gave him, Jesus gave him a new name. And so when Jesus called Simon Peter, he was saying, the, the, the confusion coming when people say that Jesus said upon this rock, I will build my church. And so not to knock our friends in other denominations of faith, who claim that their denomination may be the rock upon Jesus built his church. In effect, Jesus was not saying that it was upon Peter. He was saying when Peter said, you are the son of God. Jesus said, this was not given to you by flesh and blood, but by my father. 
What is that Peter said? You are the son of the living God. It is that phrase. Jesus is the son of the living God upon which he built his church. Not Peter. The stone, what does, what does the word say? He's the what? Capstone. Jesus is the stone, not Peter. Jesus is the stone. And it is upon Jesus, the son of God, through the church that, that, that Jesus was talking about. Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So verse 43 through 44, Jesus called Philip to follow him. Philip was from Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. So the next day, Jesus went back to Galilee. He found Philip there. Bethesda is located on the Sea of Galilee. Peter and Andrew were fishermen there, according to scripture. And they were in a partnership with James and John. Jesus called to Philip to follow him, and several times Jesus called disciples to follow him. To follow him meant to be a disciple. We have to do the same thing. We're to follow Jesus. We become disciples. Because he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples of them. We are not told what else Jesus said to Philip that convinced Philip to become a disciple. What we do know is that Philip was obedient, becoming a disciple. He also later became an apostle. And then what does Philip do? In verse 45 and 46, Philip then goes and tells Nathaniel that Jesus was the one predicted by the prophets. But oh, Nathaniel, Nathaniel did not believe anything good could come out of Nazareth. You know, isn't that what the Pharisees describe? Say, has anything good come out of Nazareth? That tells us that Nathaniel knew the scripture because they were thinking that Jesus was born in Nazareth, but we know by, from scripture that he was not born in Nazareth, born in Bethlehem. How could anything good come out of Nazareth? That's a scripture. A town of low reputation. He found Nathanael and told him that he had found the one prophesied about the law and the prophets. He said that he was Jesus, son of Joseph. This, though, did not deny the virgin birth. Philip may have not known about the virgin birth at this time, but in any case, Jesus was legally, legally the son of Joseph, just like an adopted son is treated and spoken of as a son by the adopted father, making no distinction. And he is speaking about Nathaniel specifically in verse 47. On seeing Nathaniel coming, apparently before he had, before he had even met Nathaniel, Jesus described Nathaniel as what? An Israelite indeed, for whom there was no deceit. Jesus knew what was in Nathaniel the man, and he could read the hearts, and the character of men. This is an, a, a power that only a deity, only God could have. And Jesus used this power, we believe, in choosing all of his disciples. Jesus viewed Nathaniel as an honest man, or at least who was not deceitful. We want this to be said of us.
that when the Lord Jesus calls us, when we evaluate our lives, there's no deceit in any way found in us as well. Jesus said he saw Nathaniel under the fig tree, so Nathaniel confessed Jesus to be the Son of God. Nathaniel was very surprised that Jesus knew anything about him. So he asked Jesus, how do you know me? And Jesus told him, I saw you under the fig tree before you were called. Jesus' statement here reveals his supernatural powers and abilities as a son of God. Nathaniel knew that there was no way Jesus, in, 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 in human form, in human power, could have known what occurred to him under the tree when Philip told him, we have found the Messiah. There's no way that Jesus could have known that without having the supernatural powers that Jesus possessed. Verses 50 through 51. Jesus assures Nathanael that he would see greater proofs, including angels descending and ascending on the Son of Man. So Jesus tells Nathanael this at the beginning of his ministry. This is before he has done all those miraculous things that we're told about in the Gospels. Whether it is the feeding of the multitude, whether it is the miraculous healings and the casting out of demons and the restoration of life through individuals who had died. Nathaniel believed simply because Jesus told him something that seemed to be impossible. So any questions, brothers and sisters, regarding our covering of verses 35 through 51? Questions? I don't have a question, but I do have a comment on okay. in regards to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit um, giving us the different gifts. And I believe that being a Christian, we have to seek God for the gift that he's placed right. upon our lives. And in doing that, we have to get in the word. We have to stay prayerful. Yes. And then we, we then have to stay at his feet. Yes. You know, and so I thank God for that. I thank God for you. Uh, confirming something that God had been dealing with yes. me about as far as um, knowing my gift. Yes. And so um, I just want to, you know, speak on that. That that's a true thing. We we each have a gift for Christ, Amen. and they all work together just like the body work together. Yes, yes, yes. You know, the leg can't move without the brain telling it to move. That's right. So Amen. I feel that um, with each gift, they complement each other. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Any other comments, questions? Okay, if no other questions or comments, we're going to close with a word of prayer. And I want to say thanks again if you are watching this uh, by social media. And thanks again for those who are here uh, at the office. So, we'll pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercies. Because you renew them to us each and every day. We thank you, Father God, we have a mind and a heart and desire to want to come out. To be with other believers, to discuss your word and let your word speak to us. Father God, it is our prayer that as we read your word, as we study your word, you will open up our mind, Father God, open up our spiritual eyes, and open up our ears so that we may hear and see, Father God, in the spirit, what your word will say to us. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together. We pray, Father God, that this, this study, reviewing of your word, will be a blessing to those who hear it. We pray, Father God, that you would just continue to bless this ministry. Bless each and every person, Father God, that put forth an effort to, to support the ministry. 
We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.